I've traveled the world and I've seen a lot of great meetings. When I went to Asbury, I think what really broke my heart, and I hate to say this, is like I listened to a lot of the criticisms. And these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They might hate everything I preach and say and do, but they still are my brother and sister in Christ. Like I saw this bitterness, this anger, this fear, and a lot of the criticisms. Yeah. And I didn't go. I went because my kids wanted to go. And I'm going to pause right there. Like my kids have never asked to go to uh, yeah. an outpouring meeting. Yeah. Okay. They don't have Instagram. Right. Right. So they're not like seeing this stuff. They're hearing about right. it through friends and you maybe. And they're like, I want to go. Like, I'm just going to tell you right there as a father who all he wants is his kids to walk with the Lord. That's amazing. Right. Like, that's incredible. Right. They go up. They didn't have some crazy experience. They didn't cry. They didn't weep. But they, they were hungry to go and be a part of what God was doing. Was doing. Right. When I went in there, all I saw was people worshiping the king for an extended period of time yeah. it was not hype it, there was no leader uh, that yeah. you could see it was just hunger and we spend so much the church spends so much time even the critics of 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 the asbury revival they spend so much time like harping on the youth are like going astray and yeah. they spend so much time and then like you see this genuine heart cry to worship and serve and be in his presence. I heard the word repent 20 times right. in an hour. And from young people. Yes. <laughs> I heard I heard testimony after testimony. And I just went for, I mean, went for like three or four hours. Right. It, it scares me when people are criticizing it and, and just arguing over a word, revival, yeah. than they are celebrating what God's doing. I, I was... I was just praying this morning. I was like, unless we become like the children, like the kingdom, yeah. we we can get to be so critical. Yeah. And we need to be childlike. And we need to we need to approach the kingdom like a child. And and I, I know that if I put any any kiddo in there, yeah. And would have said, Hey, what do you think? They would have said, God's doing something. They wouldn't have been like, Oh, well, this. And I heard that this one person has a, uh, they're struggling with sin. And if it's a revival, then right. they wouldn't be struggling anymore. Like, right. I just think we've become so critical. Yeah. I can understand why people have issues with Toronto. Sure. I can understand. Like, sure. I can. Yeah. I get it. I can understand why people have issues with uh, the loud. Yeah. But when you go into a humble, Right. Uh, Christian university and see worship, just worship, pure just worship, worship the right. word people testifying. Like you, you have to shut down something pretty special in your heart yeah. that allows you to just point your finger yeah. and judge it. So I think like this is one, I just did an interview for a radio show in Europe that was asking questions about it. And he kind of, asked me the question he was like would you say it's emotionalism what and um like for me that's become you want to talk about something that's irritated me lately let's go we're fine that's we're fine listen okay. we can go three hours i know we're not okay. going to but like 
Okay. If people don't want to listen to it, they don't have to. This has been a super sensitive topic for me lately because being at Asbury, seeing the young people, and to be honest, just like what you're saying, there weren't crazy manifestations. Like Toronto was crazy, right? Like there were manifestations. There were all of these kind of things. I, I love it. We live in that. No big deal. But Asbury didn't have that for the most part, right? Like it was honestly just pure hungry worship. Mm-hmm. And there were criticisms from both sides. Like one was um, criticizing that there wasn't enough happening. Like yeah. I had heard many people say it personally to me and just online saying things like, it's just a worship service. And I'm like, it's a worship service that has gone on for two weeks with a bunch of 20 year olds that aren't checking their phones. Like I said, one of the biggest miracles I saw at Asbury was the first night I was there, there were 40 kids on the stage and nobody checked their phone for yeah. six hours. Like that's a miracle. Yeah. Um, that's God. <laughs> like, come on, you have a 15 year old daughter. Like she did not check her phone and just worship for six hours, not caring. Like that's a miracle. That's a, that's a move of God. Um, I think like there were criticism that it wasn't charismatic enough. And then you have the criticism of like, there's not repentance that like people aren't doing this or that the word of God's not being preached, which all of those things were happening. And so I'm asked this question of like, is it emotionalism? And I think like you just said something that really hit me of like, you have to shut something off in your heart to look at young people in a generation that you call lost Mm -hmm. in a generation that you call all of these negative things. And now they're worshiping and you still find something to be critical about. Right. I typically say that criticism is mass jealousy. Like people are jealous. So we criticize that, that we wish was happening for us, but it's not. Second, I think I want to turn to so many of these adults. And this was the question I asked the guy interviewing me. Like, I don't ask myself the question, is this emotionalism? I ask myself the question, why are you not emotional? Like if Jesus is real, if the gospel is true, which obviously we believe it is, why would I not be emotional when I enter into worship Hmm. of who he is? And this was pure worship. Like this wasn't the about me worship. Like this was worshiping the king, vertical focused. Like how could you not be emotional? Like of course they're going down and they're weeping and breaking over their sin. Like they're meeting a very real Jesus. Of course, like I posted a video where people were dancing. Like, of course you're dancing. Like, he's real. Yeah. I I am not concerned about those that show emotion in church. I'm concerned about those who don't. Right. That's the bigger issue. And so I think, like, so many people are looking at this and they're like, is it emotionalism? And I'm like, they're emotional. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Why are you not? That's a bigger issue for me. So I think the argument, right? Let me right. try to play. Uh, yeah, no, go for it. Their, their argument the is on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Their argument is, God, their argument's so dumb. It's hard to explain it. The argument is like, right? We need to be grounded right. in this, it's right? Not, it's not God. And is this is, yeah. And yeah. you're and you're being led by your right. emotions, which can, you know, bring you into faulty territory right. and. Uh, I don't, I don't even know. Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to make the argument. Yeah. I hear the argument. I just think it's foolish. Like Jesus wept. Jesus showed joy. Mm -hmm. Jesus showed like there's, it's very clear in scripture that the Lord is emotional. Mm -hmm. Can I, in my emotion, get into the flesh sometimes? 100%. Like we've all seen it. Yeah. But again, this is a little vulgar maybe, but like, the question I ask is, would you rather than be emotional in church, finding him, pursuing him, 
and being overwhelmed by who he is and maybe even somewhat getting into the flesh at times? Or would you rather your 15-year-old daughter, who I love and adore, go to a bedroom with another man and be emotional there? Where would you rather be emotional? Would you get to use my daughter as the example? Because I love Gosh, your, because I, I fight Because someone. I love your daughter. Um, the reality is we're all emotional. We're going to be emotional. So do I want them to be emotional in the bar? Do I want them to be emotional in a bedroom? Do I want them to be emotional? Or would I rather them come into church and be emotional there? And why in the world would I criticize a child on a Friday night worshiping and being emotional going what i would rather you be doing what yeah can you share the story of, yep. of what what happened uh, you have a friend that's a worship leader at this large church that was dying um he had what they di- ended up diagnosing as ms of the stomach mm-hmm. um and just for five years he was in constant Decline, ultra aware, kind of autoimmune, and it got to the point where he was just kind of skin and bones and throwing up like every day. Yeah. Um, and it, nothing was helping, so there was not a good, there was not a hopeful situation for him. Yeah. Um, well, through being in the music industry, we had a mutual friend. So then on the phone, um, we talk about healing for about twenty minutes. I didn't know him; he's a stranger at that point. Um, this guy at was playing guitar for like need to breathe and different folks um, had to come off tour and all that. And it's interesting. So I didn't know about kind of deliverance at mm-hmm. this time, but while we were praying, I start to get really mad. And it was almost like if you knew one of your kids was being abused and I, and we started praying this, I said, devil, you're a liar and you're a thief. I command you in the name of Jesus, return the health you stole from Micah right now. Return his mind to him. Return his body to him. Return the finance to him. Return relationships to him. Return everything you stole from now in the mighty name of Jesus. And this electricity hit him over the phone, is what he said, and went course through his body. Him and his wife just begin crying, and he starts making unusual sounds. This is all happening over the phone so he starts making these sounds and when i hear him i'm going that's weird i'm pretty sure that's good (laughs) so like and the only thing i could relate it to and we laugh about it now is if you ever saw the grape falls video of the lady who's squishing the grapes (laughs) and the sound she's making <laughs> oh God, we, she hurt herself. Sorry, but yes, that was my childhood. Yes, that, that was like one of the first viral videos. He, that's <laughs> what he sounded like. Oh my gosh, Josh! Oh. So we do like two rounds. Oh my God, that's the best. This is the best moment ever on Green Room. I think we incorporated one of the. Mo- yeah. Anyway, so he sounds like that, and then you know. <laughs> his wife are crying i know we're laughing and he's like i feel like i can do this i feel like i can move i feel like i can run and i'm like dude start running run right now like run and then for the next two weeks he's texting me i did this today i haven't done that in years did this today i played basketball today i haven't done that two years ate this thing to you know haven't done that years and he's turned into a machine 
Wow. So he prays for everyone he sees. He has thousands of healing testimonies. Like right. see, he's seen so many autoimmune diseases healed. And he was worship leader for this church that didn't really go after healing. Like this was, of course, they love Jesus. They, yeah. they believe that God can do anything. But this shook this church from what I've been told. Yeah. So, I mean, they were like every, like most churches mm-hmm. in America. They believed in it, but they weren't necessarily they going after it in yeah. the middle of a service, like declaring healing, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That wasn't necessary thing or teaching, you know, on it mm-hmm. explicitly. Well, like, give me your thoughts on the music, the worship genre, if that's a, if you don't mind. Ooh. And we don't have to name names. No, I don't want to do no, that. But no, I feel this tension. It's the fruit. But I also see favor because I also feel like we're seeing yeah. the things yeah. that we cried out for. Like, yes. God, take it to the nations. God, put yes. it on the biggest platforms. Yes, yes. But at the same time, I'm grieved. Yes, because then we have to steward that Right. when he answers that prayer. Right. Then we have to walk it out with purity and do the things we did at first. So how can you do that? Can we do that? Yes. How? Yes. How can I, you stand in front of thousands of people? Because you go back to one every time. You come back to one and you throw down that crown. And it has. I, I think that Jesus was meek and lowly, and everyone he chose was lowly and meek, or a mess, a mm-hmm. hot mess, mm-hmm. you know? But he, his calling, I think this is the, right now, I, if I can, any young people, like, I still feel young, but you know what I mean, any, I, oh, we're young. I just hear the Lord's, we've gotten so caught up in the calling to do this and the calling to do that. Jesus only ever called people to himself. Mm-hmm. He said, come, follow me, and I'll make you. Right. I'll make you this and commission you to do that. But the calling is not to be a worship leader and the calling is not to do all this. It's, it's not it. Mm. He called us to himself. And if he's the way and he's the truth and he's the life and in the secret place, we are truly yielded and walking with him. Then those things, they don't have any flavor. Mm. It's not the reward. Yeah. The reward is when you, you come home and his presence, presence washes over you. In that secret place, and and you you stop caring if you ever leave that place. Yeah, because it's a our sweet friend Michael Culliano says yeah. it's a satisfaction issue. If that's not true, then we've got a satisfaction issue. He's not met that he's not met you in that place of satisfying everything. He's the water and the well, mm. right? Yeah, and some of us are like, oh, he's the water. So we always want we always want living water, but right. we don't. He, he's the only place we can get it. Yeah, right. And so I think he's not a genie. He's not like this. He's, this isn't a, a, a buffet. Yeah. This is, we eat the whole lamb, the bitter herbs, all we eat the whole lamb. We need the whole Christ or have no part with him at all. And I think, um, I think we're finding the difference. I think we've got a lot of people who did not have built here a structure of intimacy or maturity. And then there was a crown put on their head and it crushed them. Mm. And, and, we, and we've started to think that the favor had something to do with us. Right. So creative. So my parents are artists, right? Yeah. Um, I grew up around artists. The creatives, I feel like a lot of the creatives that I know mm-hmm. have a hard time in the, with accountability. Because it's like, this is my gift. That's true. And I think that there is something really beautiful about creative people going yes. to the beat of their own drummer. Right? Like, 
that's that's part of what makes them great. But how do you disciple this up and coming generation, right? That when when you and I first started in ministry, we didn't have the Spotify, the YouTube. Right. I mean, it was there, but nobody was utilizing right. it. We didn't have right. the Instagram. Yeah. We had Facebook, you know, right. maybe. Right. And MySpace. Uh, yeah, MySpace. A little <laughs> bit. My, we're not that far <laughs> oh, back, girl. Oh, no. Uh, but, you know, like, how do you, how, how do you disciple or, like, what are you telling this younger generation of worship, yeah. worship leaders yeah. as they're raising up? Because we've seen some right. stuff, even recently, I, and I don't, I try to stay out of the drama, but I do, you know, you hear stuff. It's very real. And I also see, people that are navigating it really, really, beautifully. really, really yes. well. Yes. But it seems like um, they have to publicly be like, hey, I'm not about any of that, could care less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does seem to, this is just my opinion, it does seem to cost some of them some of the open doors. Absolutely, it does. So how do you, how do you navigate a younger generation that's like, I feel this calling for worship, mm-hmm. and I want to go to the nation's? Yeah. Well, it's become very romantic. It's become super sexy and the the idea of leading that many leading that many people and being on a platform and mm. um, when really it's it's quite costly the real thing mm-hmm. and um, I th- I think that one of the things that I'm sitting one on one or in small groups with younger worshipers are going like if most people that I know have known oh. So many, so many people that I've known through the years couldn't open a Bible and tell you where anything was, couldn't preach the gospel, couldn't, couldn't. And, yep. and that's a lot of musicians. It's a lot yep. of artists. It's yep. a, it's a lot of like, um, it's, it's like they got up to do their part and then left. Yeah. Whatever, you know, um, it's like in front of the singers. Yes. But then we started really loving to be in front. You know, like, right. don't realize that the backbone of all that, you, you can't, you can't minister as a priest. This isn't about the people in front of you. This is about ministering to the Lord, mm-hmm. ministering to his presence. And so I think I, I'm trying to get them back to this, right? get them back to the gospel and go, look, can we first be obsessed with the one we are singing, yeah. singing to? This isn't actually about your so songs good. going all over the world. The Lord will do whatever he wants with your songs. Mm-hmm. But if, if. These five people are the only ones that hear them, but you've ministered, you've touched the Lord, you've touched his heart, you'll know. Yeah. Because his presence will be resting on you and in you. Yeah. Like the fruit will always speak of the root. And so like when we're sitting, you know, down, I'm I'm like, let's look at the fruit because it doesn't lie. You know, there's so much entitlement. There's so much arrogance. And I think that there's been, there's not been enough of the presence in those places to reveal what's really going on underneath. There's been a lot of people who are able to hide behind their gifting, but the character is garbage. Mm. Or there's there's a secret thing that they just won't touch. Right. Right? But it until the glory of the Lord comes, until his presence increase, increases, yeah. that stuff's not revealed. But you turn up the heat, yeah. and it can't live there. Yeah. And it starts coming up, and it's ugly, right? But I, I'm going, come to the table, be in community, be in this word. Mm. If you don't know this, we don't have any business talking about platforms. I don't want to hear about your call to do this. I don't want to hear about, and that sounds harsh because honestly, it's I don't quite, think it sounds harsh at all. It's like, but we, we don't have any business talking about how yeah. you're going to go do this and this and this for God. If, if you're not even telling me what you love about him, if you can't even tell me 
like what this says and 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 study it and get it right study to show yourself approved that's mm. just not that's not just for if you're a preacher mm. yeah. it should be every yeah. every one of us yeah so i think it's it's basics it's yeah. like goodness sakes coming back to bible basics yeah living living the gospel and then that's overflow yeah no i agree following I, jesus okay so on that on that point of following the bible right um and coming coming from a place yeah. of knowing him first. Yes. One of the criticisms that I have heard, I, I hear a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, but I, I, I've, got, I've had to, I'm, I'm in Randy's uh, uh, seminary. Um, so I'm working on my master's. And in some of the world that I've gone into, for some of the, oh. yeah, some of the stuff we have to do, I, I, I end up dealing with a lot of critiques of the charismatic movement, Pentecostal movement, which oh, yeah. I'm fine with and I love. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I've, that I've watched a lot of is, is people who Ugh. are like, listen, if they're a part of Bethel or a part of Hillsong, right. then we should not be singing their songs. Sure. In, I've heard that a lot. Can you talk to me about that? Because I think, I think that comes into basically what I, what I think their argument is, is they are theologically not sure. sound, right? Sure. Yeah. They say so we shouldn't thing, yeah. sing. But I'm sure you've you've and, you've and faced some of that some where of you're like you're singing these things in the uh, Lord, but they, yes, it's the opposite yes. of what the word says. And I would say I've written some of those songs. Okay, like what? Can I ask I, what? I, yeah, let me think. Okay, I mean maybe not something. I don't. I don't think I've written anything. I would never write anything that I didn't think was sound here. Okay, but I have written songs that are um, more about the internal. Mm -hmm. the, I would say in my more immature state than I would ever write now. And I think I think it's because if, if I'm meant to minister to the Lord, the more I spend time looking at myself, the wh yeah. what how do I expect where is that going to get me right? That mm -hmm. just gets me in all the meanness, and it's awful. Yeah. So I think. And Steph, in that place of vulnerability, there's a myriad of messages I pray never make it and see the light of day. Yes, a myriad. So, like there's so many things that I preach in my immaturity. Curse, yeah, and, it's oh true. God, you have no well, idea. You know how Chris talks about there's books he like wouldn't ever. Yeah, he would never have written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that's that that's yeah. real. But I think it's along the way. It's like I sometimes I feel like, I mean, it, it comforts me when I read about the Lord rebuking his disciples mm -hmm. because I know he he repro he reproves the ones he loves, and we we have to. We have to learn those lessons, you know. And so I would say that I taught some, I taught things to artists before that I mm -hmm. would be like, "Burn it!" <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> burn right, 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 right. You know, right. then, but uh, all, all that to say, yeah, those songs. There are songs that are like, I think in the last year there was like, it wasn't until you got to like the top sixty or something okay. on charts. I was told this. I, I don't even look at the charts. Yeah. I don't care about yeah, garbage. But I, I didn't. Someone told me they were in a meeting where they were listing off all of the charts. And until song like 60, there wasn't even anything that was to the Lord about What do you him. mean? So there, all, all of the song, there are all these Christian songs that are considered worship. Right. Oh, this is painful to me. They're considered worship, but they're, they're not actually to him about him. They're about what we get out of it, mm. which is so true. They're all, there's true. There's truth in them. Yeah. It's just that when we've come to minister to the Lord, that is not what we're doing. This is not like, and I get this, and I get this, and I get this. Mm. Like, ooh, it's become so much about us. I don't even know how we call it worship anymore sometimes. Like, so I don't even what's know. your line of demarcation, right? It's just, it right. is about him or is it about? Well, my line of demarcation is if you, if you know the presence of the Lord, you feel it lift when those songs come on. You can go from singing a, a, a uh, worthy is the lamb. Right. 
Agnes or look Day. to the Lamb, Agnes Day, holy. Oh my God. Holy. And, and, and we go from this song and we go into like a super like heart, what I get out of it. And I'm not saying these songs aren't beautiful. I think they should be written. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're meant to be in ministry and intimacy with the Lord. I think we have to have those moments. But when we're leading, when we're like with a whole people and we're, we've come for the purpose and we're calling it worship, mm. like it has to be from him and through him and to him are all things. And it, like, it just gets into a really soupy, dangerous place. Yeah. So I would say it, it's marking, and I've been doing this with some some uh, young young people, and I do this with wonder. I do this with our little girl. I'm mm. like, do you did you feel the change in the room? Mm. And she she'll she'll say to me, she's like, is that holy? Mm. I'm like, yeah, that's holy. This is a couple years ago, and she goes she goes. She, I said, what does it feel like to you? And she, she said, she said, well, it's heavy, but he's not. It's not bad. Mm. She said, it's, I've, I've, you know, and I'm like, that's it, sissy. And, and so there are these moments, and I'm, I mean, I'm doing that with, hopefully, oh, I pray, oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> oh, help me do it well. I, I'm pushing on those things, right? Like, hey, d- not to throw anybody else under the bus, but going like, did you feel the shift? Right. Did, and we do that with our, like Josh and I, who's my worship pastor at church. Like, he's so... They're such dear, he and his wife. And we're like, did you did you feel that shift? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it was when we did this song. Yeah. It's because we, we went from here to here, mm. right? And it wow. makes a huge difference. And we do that in our lives all the time. And I think there's such a buzz. Listen, I believe the Lord talks about many counselors. I'm all about it. I love counselors. I have counseling. <laughs> I'm going to keep having. I love it. Mm-hmm. But, like, if we would completely yield to Jesus and wrap our, like, yield to this gospel, yield to his presence, walk with Jesus, walk in community like the Acts church. And there was no need among them. Mm. There was none feeble among them. Mm. Like if the, if we, if we could yield to, you know, to that place, I mean, we, we wouldn't, I love how Leif says it. We wouldn't find ourselves asking the Lord to bless what we're doing. We'd yeah. find ourselves doing what he's blessing. Yeah. Right. And, and then we'll find the, the fruits in the root that comes from the root. Like, you, you, it's why two people can get up and sing the same song. Right. And one, you're like, well, I didn't feel that at all, even though the song was true. And then somebody gets up and you're like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And not that we don't attach it to the people, but you can tell when someone's been in the secret place. Yeah. You don't yeah. just come up with it. Favor is one thing. Right. And that, that, that can move, that can move a room. Like sheep are still sheep. We're still sheep. Okay. We can be moved by something and not, changed by something there's a there's a markable difference if if we're staying close to the flame if we stay close to the his presence then we can feel the difference between high energy and high praise right that feels very different but if but if we're not if we're just right in that line right and there's no intimacy we won't recognize it Mm. we don't we don't discern the door we're not walking in jesus that john 10 we're not walking in jesus the door we're thieves and robbers we've Mm. come in another way and we think because we have favor that we have blessing. Mm. It's not the same. Come on. I'm more well, influential Brazil. outside politics than inside politics. And I learned this through a pastor in Brazil. Okay. Who's very influential. His name is uh, Malafaia. Yeah. And so when I was talking to Pastor Malafaia, and he said something to me that I was like, what? He says, do you know, like today in this position, I could raise up Congress people. Mm-hmm. I could raise up senators. Yeah. I could disciple them. And once they're there, they're still going to look for wisdom coming from me. Yeah. Whereas if I'm there, well, one, uh, you have limits to what you're able to do. 
yeah. you know, a lot of these Congress people that 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 come with the same values that we have. Yeah. It's not like they're not doing anything. It's like they can't. Right. There, there's limits to what you can do. Uh, and of course, we need them there, but there's yeah. limits. It's not like uh, uh, it, it's a free for all. So he was explaining to me, it's like, and in this position, he says, I could speak to both sides. Yeah. You know, and so I feel like um, um, not that I'm above anybody because that's not the, 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 the mentality. The mentality is if if I will operate within the sphere of grace the Lord has given me, right. I believe that I can uh, raise up future politicians. Yeah. So if I can raise up future politicians, um, why would I be one politician right. and then interrupt this flow and not that the Lord can't use somebody else, but in my situation, interrupt the flow of raising up other politicians. That's brilliant, dude. Does that make sense? Totally. And you can see, I mean, I, you saw the president and I know you have, there's things you haven't told me, but just the stuff that I've seen, you know, mm -hmm. the president wanting to come to the send, you guys packed out three stadiums or two stadiums and half, mm -hmm. you know, you got, I was there when you guys were like, we, we're not going to let him come. And then he came, you know, like, and I'm sitting there going, my buddy, my buddy, my buddy just shut down the Prezi of Brazil mm -hmm. from, from coming to an event. Like if, if, if we would have had that conversation 15 years prior, like, Hey T one day, the president's going to want to come to an event that you're putting on. Oh, I'd be all and, over yeah, it. You'd be like, yeah, yes. Scott, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. God. let me you get know? a selfie. Yeah. And, and T like, it was one of the most surreal yeah, moments yeah. watching you navigate that and the wisdom. Uh, it, it, it blew, it blew my mind. It blew you know my what mind. I've, what I've found out? It's like, it's, it's the long term game versus the short term game. Right. Right. And uh, the more that I study revival, and we all love revival, but uh, there's something that is not, um, you just can't, you, you, you just can't run away from the constant long-term results right. of discipling a nation through the sphere of church, education, and family. Yeah. Right? So I would say, you know, the sphere of, I'm, I'm coming from a seven-sphere paradigm mm -hmm. right and so and of course people would say oh there's not only seven there could be more and i get it but let's say if we're talking about the seven sphere paradigm the seven mountains by yeah. the way lauren cunningham yeah for sure yeah yeah bill, oh yeah bill, what is it? bill, bill bright, bright and lauren from, from uh, yeah. crew and so i would say and lauren would actually say this the power spheres would be politics mm -hmm. and business now you could see a quick change if you take those two spheres they're quick changes, right? You put in, let's say, this is a perfect scenario. If you put it, you vote in uh, a biblical-minded uh, president and a biblical-minded Congress, you'll see changes fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you go two, three terms with that. Bro, you, you've, you've reformed a nation. Right. Now, but what are the odds of that happening, right? Now, let's say if you raise up, you know, 100, 100 um, billionaires that are kingdom hearted, kingdom minded, biblical minded, right? You'll see a lot of change quick. Now you have to also take in consideration that business money mm -hmm. and politics power. These two things are very tempting. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a lot of temptation with a lot of power. There's a lot of temptation with a lot of money. And if there's a lot of temptation, there's a high probability of corruption. Yeah. Right? Now, on the other hand, you have 
family, you have education, and you have church. I mean, you would think that somebody who's who's part of a church would be part of a church till they die. So that's a lifetime. If you're born in a family, you're part of that family till you die. So that's a lifetime. Yeah. Education, let's say 15 years, mm -hmm. maybe 25 years, right? So that's a good chunk of time. It's over a decade at yeah. least. Yeah. And so you have, it's it's more of a longstanding relationship with these fears. Yeah. And there's it's very low probability of corruption. And if you see like, at times we tend to, and I think it's unconsciously, we tend to not invest so much in church, in family, in mm -hmm. education, mm -hmm. or at least lately we haven't, and I'll speak of Brazil or the West, yeah. right? And then we try to uh, make up for lost time with, let's vote somebody in. Right, right. Or let's raise up, I don't know, how many Josephs or whatever, the Josephs, yeah. you know, whatever it is, you want to call it, yep. the... Of business people, yep. kingdom, whatever builders or you know millionaires or billionaires, and 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 they're you're trying to um, make up for the lost time and the the lost fruit that would come with you know consistent sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping, yeah. and so now you're like, hey, president so and so, congressman so and so, senator so and so, vote in the morality that I've never taught in my dinner table. Wow. Would you vote in the morality that we never taught in our schools? Oh, by the way, we never built schools. You were you were talking about influence, right? Yeah. And culture at mm -hmm. Legacy, and there very much is everybody prays, everybody plays, right? Yeah. John Wimber coined that phrase. He's I like, love it. all of you guys are a piece. Yeah. And you do that. You, I feel like you guys do that really beautifully. Yeah. What uh as you as you're preparing and as you're coming together like how have you oh how do i put this how have you guys navigated um worship in a city that's known for music mm -hmm. in a city that's known for talent um and i've watched you guys even even this last month you've been the the topic has been the altar and worship yeah and i watched uh, I listened to you. I watched you and yeah. listen, um, share about the dangers of worship. Mm -hmm. And you really actually brought a word of correction. Yeah. Uh, how have you guys navigated popularity, character, influence, worship, and keeping worship pure? Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing for me, you know, especially in my influence or the, what I've tried to do in um, as I've had the opportunity to influence the worship at a church is make the whole conversation about everything but music. Mm -hmm. So, because like talent's not the problem. Like, it's not the problem. Right. Like, at our church, talent is not the problem. It's like, we have enough people to, you know, I mean, there's churches across the United States who would kill for the people who will never touch the stage at our church. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. So, for me, the conversation isn't about your gift mm -hmm. it's about your heart and it's about how you're tending to the garden of your heart mm -hmm. so for me before i ever have a conversation about music with somebody i want to have the conversation about purity with somebody mm -hmm. and i want to have the conversation about like is jesus your lord mm -hmm. or is jesus the person is jesus the vehicle you're using to get to your dreams you know because and and I, the lord has just kindly given me and you know even 
the other guys who I work with on, guys and girls who I work with on um, the worship staff at Legacy, discernment to mm. understand when, like, somebody's motivations. Do you guys have a process that you take people through? Without a doubt. What, what does that look like? Um, the process is very practical. Um, we take them, you know, they do an audition. They send in an audition. They do an audition. And... But they have to be at the church for like six months, four to six months or something like that. I love that. Like, so we have to like, you got to be able to stay long enough mm-hmm. and like be cool with not being on the stage. Mm. Um, and, you know, hey, it, that's that in itself is a test. And it's a it sifts out those who j- are just here to be a, to use their gift. Mm. And so, you know, then the conversation, like the main conversation I'm having with somebody is like, how's the condition of your heart? Mm. And what are you doing to tend to the garden of your heart? Because we know that a baseline requirement for worship is a pure heart. Baseline. You know, know, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Mm. And so for us in worship, we take that very serious. I take that very serious. Like, I really don't care how you can sing. Like, I really don't care. You singing, great, cool. I've met a better singer. I promise I have. <laughs> I promise I've met a better singer. Mm. You know what? Like, I'm not trying to be to be braggadocious, but I'm probably a better singer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's I, so I really don't care how you sing. I care about how you're guarding your heart yeah. and how you're tending to the garden of your heart. Because to me, that's more important than anything else. Mm. Mm. And I think that like that that's like the issue. And I know Steffi, Steph Gretz talked about it a lot oh, on man. the podcast that you do with her. He's like, that's the issue that we're running into right now is that people aren't tending the garden of their heart. So we're, we're letting any and everybody, any and everybody leave worship or be any. And what they're doing is they're erecting idols. Mm. Like they're just left and right. We're erecting idols that we're calling worship. But really it's like, it's people it's self-gratification. Like, people love themselves. They love themselves and they love themselves on stage. Like, that's the prevalent thing that you see in worship today. It's like, pe- like if you see, even the outworking of it, like, the, if you watch people, it's like, you like yourself. You know? It's like, you like yourself and, like, you love what you're doing right now. And it's like, and the question has to be asked, does God like it? And I don't think enough people are asking that question. Does God like what I'm doing? Yeah. <laughs> does God like what I'm doing? Does God like you know? I honestly, ask the question: Does God like this? Okay, most people I think would say, "Of course He likes it." I'm worshiping. I'm leading. Yeah. Look at the influence. Look at the platform I have. Of course, God likes it. I am here because God has opened up these doors. And look at how He's blessed it. What would you say? In response? Without a doubt, I would say, "Well, what's the outworking of your life? What's the fruit of your life outside of this? Like, you doing good? Like, how's your relationship with the Lord? How's your how's your thoughts?" You know, how are your thoughts? How are your, how is your family? How are those things? Because to me, that's a better indicator of if God likes it than it, like how you're doing on stage. Because anybody can move people with their gifts. That's like, we probably have the most gifted generation ever. Right. As it pertains to the outworking of worship. Like I listen to some things, I'm like, dang, Mm -hmm. that's unbelievable. (laughs) That's unbelievable. But like, very few times do I feel like, man, God loves that. Or that's like, 
the anointing of the Holy Spirit is. And and I'm not the one who gets to judge. And I, I wrestle with that a lot. I'm like, Lord, I don't even want to think these mm. thoughts. God, I don't, I don't even want to think these thoughts. You know, I just like remove me from mm. like, remove me from this process. Cause I, I just like, to be very honest, like, and I have this conversation with the staff I was like, you know, you know what guys, I don't even really want to do this. I don't even really want to like, like I'd rather just like worship with my family than like lead a bunch of people in worship because the, the fear of God that I have within mm. me of like, of what it can be if I'm not careful. Mm. And so like, I hate, like, I don't love the, I don't love the industry. I don't love the worship industry. I don't like it. I don't like, like, and, and it's funny cause I'm in it, I'm in it. And I'm like a part of it. And it's like, Lord, Lord. And I'm being very vulnerable. I love it. Very transparent right now. It's like, Lord, I don't want to be like, I, why can't you like? I just want to be a part of the music industry, right? You know what I'm saying, right? And so it's been a very like in that, and it's been a very interesting season for me, like being ingratiated in this, and like just navigating the waters of everything that is happening within the world of worship, and then ultimately having, you know, the responsibility of leading people mm. in that. So back to your questions, like. Before I ask, like, I'm even asking people about their gifts. I'm asking them about their heart. Right. Because I'm like, okay, your gift, that's cool. It could move a lot of people. But, like, the condition of your heart is so much more important. So you've been doing this nine years? Yeah, I've been. Yeah, I went to Harvest School in 2013. And then we came back and Nicole and I got married. And within a few months, we were in Greenville. So you move, let's just walk people through okay. a little bit of your story. So you move out to Greenville, you get a job at Holston Homes. Mm -hmm. And then, which, which did that, were you thinking like, this is how I'm going to start a missions base? I didn't, I didn't think that for the mm -hmm. first couple of years, I had this thing of like, hey, I'm going to come in here and learn some skills. Right. And then I'm going to go to, I, I don't know, Cambodia and start right, something. Right. But within a couple of years, uh, I had a dream and the Lord was pretty clear that it's like, this is where you, this is where you have to stay. Um, and, and then within the next couple of weeks, he just really broke my heart for the people in Appalachia. And, and I realized, okay, I'm called to be a lifer. I think we actually all called to be a lifers. Yeah. I, I think people, you know, I believe that there are seasons, but I believe that people, when they want to quit, they just call it a season. A lot of times, uh, could I say that? You say whatever you okay. want. Okay, so, you know, but but I, I feel like it was that moment that I was like, you know, I will be in Greenville until I die, unless the Lord clearly says you need right. to leave, and then, I, and then I will do it. But but then whenever I realized that, and it was like lifer, then I go, Jesus, I saw you move in Africa. I saw all of those things, and you told me to come here, so I'm going to believe that you're going to do incredible works here. Because, you know, I'm giving up my life for you and you're telling me to not go there. You're telling me to stay here. So I'm going to believe that you want to do something incredible here. So for about six years, my wife and I did church with those kids. Yeah, that was it. That was our whole church was like Nicole and I. And we were the worship team, the praying team, the preaching team. And we just did church with the kids. That was it. And when the kid gets got saved and baptized and started doing better, they would go into a foster home. We'll get a brand new one. Uh, so 
that was our that was our church. So there was no outsiders. We didn't really go anywhere. It was every week for about six years in a in a smaller room uh, that we had at the school there at the at the children's home. And we did and we did church. And I'm not gonna lie, for the first couple of years, it was a whole bunch of. And then one day we were worshiping and this kid got up and laid on his face on the front and all the kids got on their faces, started crying. And since then, every time we worship, kids are on the floor, yeah. like worshiping. And then and these are some of the most broken kids in town. Oh, absolutely. They, they, they've been through, they've been through everything, like, everything that you can imagine like and, what? You, and you don't want to imagine. Don't, don't like, let, like what, what are these kids going through? They, you know, a lot of, a lot of them have been addicts since they're like six, seven years old. And maybe their parents turned them on. Some of them been trafficked. Some of them being the amount of, yeah, hard things that have happened in their life. It's just, it's just insane. And mm -hmm. they have, a lot of them have gone through multiple homes and moved a lot because, you know, parents are really struggling with addiction or parents are incarcerated. And, and when, when your parents are not around a lot of times, then, then a lot of hard stuff can happen to you and you can get yourself into a lot of hard stuff. So I think the easiest way I can put is they seen it at they've seen it at all and they've been through it all and they've been through a lot. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard. So, so they, they start falling on their faces, right? Yes. And what, what was taking place? What was going on inside of you when you saw that for the first time? That's like, that's what the Lord wants to do. And, and we knew that that's what the Lord wanted to do. And we're going to, we're going to cultivate a place of worship for the King and I love singing songs at worship about the goodness of God, because when I see those kids that literally have everything wrong happen in their life, right? They, they've lost their loved ones. They've seen incredible abuse. They've been through a, a lot when they're singing about God being good and them trusting God. It's just, I feel like it's such a special, like, worship of people that has gone through such a hardship, declaring still that God is good. So we knew that the Lord was gonna was gonna do something, right? Yeah. And we none of us knew what that something was supposed to look like, uh, and and it was just special that the Lord was touching them, and we we're just so grateful. We were just so grateful. So six years. Yep, that was six years. And of you're just plowing, plowing. You know, people are all like, "You guys gonna burn out?" Or where is your community? And you know, like I, I you know, I believe in community. I believe in the church, but I feel like people sometimes make that into an idol. It's like you can, the only thing I can't live without is Jesus. You know, if the Lord asks you to go to the middle of Sudan and there's not like any Christians there, then what happens? You don't have a community. You lead somebody to the Lord, they become your community and you go from there. Like the community was like those broken kids that were starting to see Jesus. Uh, and and people go, oh, you plugged in. I was like, you know, we're, we're walking in the light. We're pursuing Jesus since, since YouTube happened. All the excuses go out of the window. You can learn. What do you, mean? you can just learn so much, right? You can just learn so much. I'm, I'm there in Greenville six years ago listening to you preach. You know what I mean? And crying and going, okay, Lord, I'm asking. And I'm, and I'm there listening to Heidi preach. And I'm going, Lord, I, I know you've done this. Can you do it again? Like it was, we have, we have an incredible community. We have probably the largest Irish community ever. So we, we love it. We're not against it. It's a beautiful thing. But I feel like sometimes when the Lord calls you to go and start something, it's so easy for people to go in, do it for a little while and go, it, you know, it's, it's hard. I miss, you know, having all these people worshiping. Nowadays, every time, you know, we, 
I play a chord in the guitar. I have incredible people that are addicts that are being transformed and, and the one that was a prostitute and the one that was a drug dealer and they're all in their faces worshiping with me and it's holy and it's heaven and it's beautiful. And it's and I feel like a lot of times people quit before that, you know, because it's uncomfortable, because it's hard, because they don't have other people kind of around them okay. with the same DNA. It's like, you know, you stay and you worship and you cry out to the Lord and you wait on the Lord and then you see the Lord move and then everything... I think sometimes that you are wanting to have, then you see it, but it will be through people that you never thought that it would. So I totally agree, right? Yes. I do. But what do you say to someone that went and they tried and they pioneered and they're like, it's not working. It's I'm not done. working? Yeah. The Lord asked you to go. <laughs> That's the first question I always have to everybody. And then, and then, and then I think, what is the definition, right? Like, what is your definition of working and, and success, right? Like, I, I think obedience, like, for me, it's like the kids at the children's home was not like a, like, sometimes people go, like, you know, you do something really hard and you kind of, like, pay your dues. And then it's like a stepping stone to something greater. And I'm like, right. our kids are not stepping stones for anything. They are, they are it, seeing Jesus touched them, seeing the face of Jesus in them is is the pinnacle, is what I'm waking up for. They are not I'm not trying to to get to this other thing. So yeah, if I spent my life there and it was just kids, then that's the question that the Lord asked me in the in a in a dream when I wanted to leave. I wanted to be there for a couple of years. And it was like, Abel, if you spent your whole life in those hills right here in Greenville, so that, you know, folks from those hills got saved. Would that be worth it? And I just said, oh, you, you're giving me Tennessee. And he goes, no, I'm asking, would it be worth it for Greenville? And I'm going, so the Tri-City area, so we're going to get Johnson City, we're going to get Bristol. He was like, no, just the folks in this little town. If you, you and your wife spend your whole life waking up, worshiping, working hard, preaching to just see folks in this little bitty place touched, would that be worth it? And I couldn't answer him for a while. How weird it is that I couldn't. Like, how messed up it is that I couldn't, that I wanted, I, like, a, Why is that weird? I think it's normal. You think it's normal? I do. Okay. Like, I think it's, I think it's totally normal to go through the process. I know, I know it's normal, but I, I, I didn't want to, like... I think your heart can become so much about the the greater thing yeah. that, that you can just be unwilling to do something that is great in the eyes of the Lord. And I don't mean that in a cheesy way, just like, you know, it's great for Jesus. No, that it's legit, like, great in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord, Jesus loves the people in this that little town. Yeah. And I think it's like... If I spent my whole life and only spoke to them in that little town and saw them touch, it would be 100% worth mm -hmm. like blood, sweat, and tears in our whole family and our whole life. And and I think, you know, that's what we are, that's what I would uh, tell folks there go. I've been there and done that. I'm going like, did Jesus ask you to go? Did you, did you stay as long as Jesus asked you to stay? Did you wake up every day going like, Jesus, is that, are we good to go now? Like, have we? Have we done it? Because I feel like if you wake up like that, maybe at some point the Lord may even tell you that you can go. But I don't know if it's because you were ready or because you lost heart. Yeah. And we tell people this all the time. They say, I feel fear. We go, what? Don't feel fear. Yep. Choose faith. 
Right. Well, I want to know who's choosing fear. I'd like to meet those people. I've never met the person yet who's choosing right. fear. Fear is what happens to you. Uh, they're not. You don't choose fear or not choose uh, fear. Anyway, so we would constantly resist people's energy where we're telling them not to experience what they're experiencing. Don't feel what you feel. Don't have the emotion that you have. And we're conveying to them, number one, you're wrong to experience that. Number two, you're stupid. And we made it worse, not better. You brought up a good point about many good points. But you brought up a really good point, and I and I wanted to hit this because when I first heard this, that's my response, right? I preach the gospel, I preach the word. Fear is faith in Satan. Uh, I did not for what well, I did not. I do not leave you a spirit of fear, but of power. Uh, or God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Jesus said, "Peace mm-hmm. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives." These are the verses that we quote. So. So help help people that are hearing this for the first time, like I did, yeah. right? Under understand what what you're talking talking about, because yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. But there's Absolutely. also we're also made in His image. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole objective of processing core emotions. The whole pro- objective of processing fear is so that we then do get to peace. But to say to and part of our research was all about looking at children and how they function. Mm-hmm. And a one-year-old feels fear, and if we say to them, stop it, don't feel fear, yeah. we would never do that. That doesn't make sense. This, this Guys, I'm, I'm going to pause here for a second, because honestly, like this is what I left a lot of these. Yes, my marriage. Yes, communication. But for me, the biggest personal takeaway that I had was, was how I was raising my kids. Mm. Mm. Like, I, I yeah. went back and apologized. I... Because I'd be like, come on, that's not who you are. We don't do that. You don't have to be scared of that. Mm. And I would leave patting myself on the back. Mm. And and I saw it. As soon as you, like, sp- spelled this out with with the scientific. And I love that. I'm, I've been to so many counselors, so much training from people that have good ideas. Mm-hmm. But I love how God is the God of science. He created Absolutely. this. Mm-hmm. This is not, they're not separate and uh, and I, I I left a lot of the meetings yes with processing my marriage but deeply processing mm. how I was raising my children yeah. and uh, yeah so I want you to listen to this just not those of you guys who are listening um, I want as as someone who you know and love and trust you I remember what I felt the first time I heard like oh like acknowledging people's fear or acknowledging their sadness like no that's not the Lord. I want you to listen through because mm. there's more than just what you catch on the surface. Mm. And don't let those words throw you off because there's something really deep and beautiful here that has made me love my wife, love my kids mm. more than I wow. ever did uh, up mm. to this point. Mm. So I, some of my faithfuls, <laughs> right? You've heard me preach on fear. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about well, and our goal is to process through the fear. It's yep. not that I want people living in fear. Yep. Fear is just a consultant. Fear is just tapping you on the shoulder. That each core emotion has its own message. It's just a messenger. And the message mm-hmm. of fear is danger. Beware. There's a risk of harm. Right? Is there? There probably is. Mm-hmm. You are more than welcome to jump out of an airplane. You better get hit with fear before you jump out, because if not, you just jump out. Yeah. And Will's halfway to the ground. He's like, huh. That ground is rapidly approaching. Oh, man, I forgot that parachute thing. And Will's done. A fear-free person will soon be a dead person. Right. Fear is just cautioning us, just tapping us on the shoulder and saying, Will, dude, if you want to jump out of an airplane, that's fine. Which I've done. It's an exhilarating thing. But fear told me to be prepared, to right. pay attention. Uh, 
when you're on the interstate doing 84 miles an hour, because I know you speed sometimes. Sometimes. Um, it's not those dotted white lines that keeps you in your lane. Right. You can weave right back and forth yep. all you want. It's fear that says, oh, the guy beside me is also doing 84 miles an hour. I need to pay attention here. Danger, beware. There's a risk of harm. You're right. dang right there's a risk of harm. Right. If you're not paying attention, you're going northbound on the southbound side of the interstate. Right. You're going, wee, I'm fear free, and you'll be dead. Right, and if I came in and said, you shouldn't have that, thus saith the Lord, right? The scripture says you shouldn't have that fear. Go 90. We would be out of bounds, right? So there is a biblical, holy, Christ, mm -hmm. God-given, made-in-his-image fear yep. that we need to navigate. Uh, you've been raising up, equipping, encouraging mentoring people yeah uh what, what do you see the lord doing right now with the equipping of the yeah. saints because you i think i think you're doing it in a different way it's for for a lot of people it's like a club or like an internship when i when i get around the people that you're raising up it's like family they are family. and there it's almost like there's no sign here do this it's mm -hmm. like come with me on this trip mm -hmm. how how many people are you like we're, equipping right now? we're over 140 now for that are trained ministry team um, we also have pastoral partners that, I mean, they run big churches, they yeah. run big ministries, and they just want to go on a trip for fun. Right. So we have them. But I'm not like Randy. I don't have the grace like Pat Bach to take strangers on mission trips. So we have people all the time who are like, hey, man, can I come with you? And I'm like, nope, go with Randy. Because I, the DNA, it's not a cult, it's not a club, it's, it's a, it's, it is family. Yeah. I mean, because I went to seminary and learned how to do all this team building uh, that's what this is. This is that when God said, lay down the coaching, then he said, pick it up again and make it discipleship. So it was wild how all of that wasn't taught for discipleship at the time in the seminary. But uh, uh, when I started this whole ministry, because God said, start, start this nonprofit, I was like, why? I'm not going to be doing anything. Yeah. I mean, just shock follow God and, and be obedient and just watch what happens. And so when he said, do this, and now I want you to give it all away and then teach them how to give it away. This, the, the entire model of everything that, that is agape freedom fighters is from that seminary, which didn't even believe in the Holy spirit. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's hilarious. And so the team runs super tight. If you go, if you went to India with us or yeah. you went to Istanbul with us, or you went to the UK with us, even though different people will be on the trip, the DNA will be the same. Yeah. And they're all, I mean, they have to go through a lot of training with us and we try to make sure people are decently healed up. I mean, yeah. we're all in a process, but we don't, you know, I want to have fun. Yeah. I'm all about fun and, and no drama. And we just, we don't have a lot of that. <laughs> I think in, in almost 10 years now, we've had three ministry altercations in 10 in 10 years that's that's, that, a that's staggering that yep. that is a total miracle and those and we've wished them well and and yep. you know and and bless them and sent them on but we don't we don't have that and yep. it's not that we don't have uh robust discussions or or you know but it's we don't and we don't bring in people just like us either this is all right. about how you share value systems for the kingdom this is about how you get you know, everyone's got personal values. I know one of your great values is freedom and the other one's fun. And so if if for some reason Iris becomes a drag over a week, couple of weeks period, you're going to find ways to get those values honored somewhere else because you're always about fun and you're always about freedom. So you, Will Hart, is gonna, you're going to go find fun and freedom somewhere if Iris becomes really difficult in a season. I know you. I'm the same person, yeah. right? So the values of the ministry, and I go around the world and teach this, and I teach so much leadership development, and our school online has a whole year of this. 
where you're training people up to understand who God made them to be and how to actually honor their personal values and how to get those met outside of the ministry so they don't demand that those personal values be honored in the ministry. Yeah. It's a game changer. Yeah. And, and we teach people, if, if one of your values is, comp- is competition, go, f- go find some place to get that met outside of the ministry. Otherwise, you'll come in and try to take the team down. It's just there's a lot of dynamics to all this stuff. Yeah. So the team itself, uh, they're tremendous. And we have yeah. we have lawyers, we have people that stay home and take care of kids, we have teachers, we have doctors, we have we have the gamut. Right. And, and they all just love Jesus and they all just want to see the gospel brought in power to the yeah. ends of the earth. And so You really truly have this group of like, hey, let's just go and do it. And it's they yeah, totally. you're not it's it doesn't become a thing. It's it's not about the ministry. It's about yeah. going and serving and yeah. loving. I I was cleaning <laughs> my wife's. She's a she's at a clinic right now getting treatment, and I took it upon myself to clean our bedroom. <laughs> and oh, how'd that good. go, Will? Amazing, <laughs> Is really it good. Spotless. Oh, it's it's actually I did a good job. Uh, but uh, I was Hallelujah. digging through a bunch. You know, during the season, a lot of people mm-hmm. sent a lot of things and blankets and things. You yeah. know, for her treatment. Yeah. And uh, I came, I came across a pile with one of the the letters that your team wrote. I think it was back in December. Mm, yeah. And it was about three, two or three pages of of words from your team. Yeah. So I asked them to just send prophetic words to Moose. Yeah. And, uh, so and and to I think I'm in there. Yeah. At least oh, the ones that I read. You're in there yeah. in all of them. Uh, and I I've been reading through them. It's on my bedside table even oh, right now. Cool. And I've been reading through them over and over again. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team that you're raising up is yeah. incredible. Decision. What would you say to somebody that's like, I've never heard his voice. And as I read this, I know I'm, I'm getting to my question. As I read this, Jim shared a story of where like he asked God a question and he never got a response. He felt like something was wrong with him. He felt like, uh, he felt like, yeah, why aren't, why aren't you speaking to me, God? Like, I want to hear your voice. I'm asking. All my friends are hearing. And he went down the road of studying the scripture and he came up with this conclusion, as well as did a lot of other people. This is just the first book that I've read about this. Um, what would you say to someone that that takes that stance? Um, God wants to heal you from death by disappointment. And here's what I'm saying. A lot of his theology, what you just shared, was based out of a moment of, God, I'm asking you this question. I need you to talk to me. And he didn't hear for for whatever reason. And now that created a disappointment, which has now led him into a certain doctrine or belief system. I was raised in a church that didn't flow in the gifts, all those things. Love, thankful for my my heritage. I tell people I'm a recovering Calvinist. Uh, I'm thankful for, for, for my roots. I just know that God showed up in my room when I was six and spoke to me that I was called to go around the world preaching the gospel. Uh, I lived a miserable, existent life running away from God. And when I committed suicide on January 17, 1997, Jesus came and stood in my room and he woke me up and he called me son and he repeated those words to me, son, I've called you to go around the world preaching the gospel wherever you know lives be touched and changed. So people ask me, David, how do you know the voice of God? And I tell them this, it's the same voice that woke me up. It's always the same voice. It's the same voice. It's been consistent in my life. 
I have, you know, amazing kids. One of my sons, Josh, was born without the, with the cord wrapped around his neck four times, three times, didn't breathe for five minutes. God brought him to life. He's very sensitive. I was taking him out a few weeks or a few years ago, and uh, he wasn't saying anything. And I said, everything all right, Josh? He said, yeah, Dad, you don't have to say anything for me to know your heart. And I realized he wasn't just talking to me about our relationship, but I felt like he was talking to me about the Lord. We went to Starbucks. We were talking, and I said, does God talk? He said, yeah, Dad, all the time. So how does that happen? He goes, I talked to him. He talks back to me. And and it was this childlike faith in it, like he, he grew up in it. I think truth, divorce from experience, always leaves you in the realm of doubt. But I also think equally it's dangerous to have an experience without truth. Hmm. So I... In Pensacola, there's these guys that stand on street corners. Um, every Saturday from 2 to 4, preaching their guts out, man. They got signs. They got Bibles. They're out there sometimes with their wives and kids. They're passionate. And uh, I watch these same people, from the same stream every Saturday, faithful, man. If you want to know faithful, that's faithful. Right. And one day, uh, there was a gas, used to be a gas station on that corner, uh, or sometimes they were. I got gas, and I just went over. Uh, I bought some water. I went over to this to this guy. I said, man, how long have you been doing this? Uh, he said, I've been doing it 26 years, every Saturday for 26 years. I said, how many people have given their life to the Lord? He said, I don't know of anyone that's given their life to the Lord for me preaching at cars and at stoplights. And and um, and, and I said, well, how's it working for you? Sometimes it's just really frustrating. I said, but do you feel called to preach? He said, yeah, why do you ask? And I, I began to tell him who I was, what I did. And he, he went into you know argument mode with me, like God doesn't speak, the way he speaks for scriptures. I said, well, how did you know you were called to preach? He said, God spoke to my heart. I realized that God's always speaking, but we're not always hearing, or we're hearing, but we don't know the the word for it so we think we're in opposition of something with mm-hmm. actually i go dude you're prophetic how else could you know the heart of god so i would say to this brother and others is is when did god change when did he stop speaking because before the foundation of the earth he knew me call me by name yeah in the beginning he spoke i know there's three four hundred years of silence in between malachi and matthew mm. was he really silent or, or did people not want to hear what he had to say? I don't know. We don't have any contextual things for that. And then Jesus is the word. So so Jesus is always speaking because that's who he is. How did you get here? God dreamed you up. He spoke you into existence. So you're created by the word to 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 hear the word, to, to, to become a word. And and it's it's here's what I love about the Lord. Like he is so patient with us. I had this conversation with my wife, like I was saying, she was saying, what are you going to do on the podcast? I said, I don't know. We'll just start talking. And I said, I think it's really cool. I think that uh, Will wants to start having people that actually kind of disagree with us. Well, how will that work? I'm like, it doesn't have to be an argument. Like, right. come, let's reason together. Like, it's not about you, me persuading you to speak right. in tongues or to prophesy, but it's actually like hearing each other's hearts. So right. I love books like this. Yeah. But I also, you know, I, I love, you know, uh, amazing books on the on the prophetic, like this actually kind of keeps me in check. This, Oof. right? Because we, we throw, we have these yeah. Christianese and charismatic ease words that we throw out. Like I was getting convicted when you're saying that. 
I put a fleece out before the Lord, and this door, the Lord opened a door. Right. Like, like I, I want to be accountable for that because we, we flippantly say things, and, and we lose the fact that prophecy is supernatural. That, that the, the, the God of the universe knows me. Like, he, yeah. Like I know this still small voice. Like I've I've heard it. I also heard him like thunder waking me up from death. Like I, you know I've I know that I've lived with it. I've been in a, in a twenty six year conversation with the with the Lord. You know, and and it's this this beautiful thing. And so whenever I go and I, I minister a lot, what people don't know a lot about me is that I minister at least a quarter of my time, maybe a little bit more, in non charismatic yeah. churches. Um, and I get grilled sometimes. I spend hours with pastors and elders and boards where they're questioning me on my theology, what I believe. And I just say, Hey, I don't care about speaking on a Sunday. I don't care about, you know, what you let me do or, or not. I'm fully submitted to, to, to what you want, but can we go on a journey of what the Bible really says for, for the next year? Can we just do life together, go on a journey? And they do that. I've never had one time where a pastor or a church goes you're a complete heretic right it's actually rightfully discerning the scripture not making it say what i wanted to say charismatics right. of all people we get guilty of that and you've been in japan quickly i think right yeah and, very quickly but it's even if you go for a little bit i think it's like it's it's very like i think people are very fascinated it's such a different culture um and there's some real beauty to it, of course. But ultimately, we're there because the culture is mm -hmm. terrible. I mean, that's why missionaries go, right? Is because actually, you know, people are always like, oh, Japanese culture. But, you know, I think it makes you very ineffective to think that way mm. in the sense that God's there to bring his culture. There's something here going on. There's never a culture, culture based right? on yeah. just like uh, You would say that about any culture. Any like, culture. You're, not, you're not just picking on Japan. No. Like, you'd say Listen to like Americans. I'm saying about God's culture, culture versus that's any right. culture that culture. is not yeah. kingdom, kingdom culture, culture is not pleasing to God and is not going to bring... Life. There's aspects that are like God's nature and beautiful because they reflect how beautiful right. Jesus yeah. is. Um, but it can be such a, a tripping point for missionaries that get intrigued and fascinated with the culture that they're mm -hmm. in wherever, whether it's African culture that's beautiful or right. a piece of Asian culture or Brazil, South American. There are beautiful pieces of every culture. But if we're not like a hundred percent aimed at like even this beautiful part is it actually the kingdom mm. culture because that's right. and that's where even in our missionary like community and when we're building we'll have people from all different nations and you know there's some of the nations we all are going to come in thinking well this is the right way yeah. naturally you know and so that's where we we always want to point it to kingdom culture oh it's yeah. not the american way it's not the brazilian or the japanese way like what's actually kingdom culture yeah and so. and for instance there's not a lot of crime in japan it's one of the safest places our kids go on the train and bus every day to school it's a 40 door, 40 minute commute every you know each way and they Maybe. do that themselves some i would never usually let them do in brazil right right, right. you know um and it's still you know some people are probably like oh it's uneasy but actually four or five year olds go alone yeah in in these little school yellow school hats and you know it's safe. Now, it's not like there's no crime, but like compared to everywhere else, like right. it's, and, and I think people go, wow, you know, but we have to look at like, if it's not based on where is it, where is it coming from? Why, why are people not stealing? Right? Something's on the, on the floor in Japan. Usually you'll find, you drop something, you'll find it up on a little ledge next to wherever it was mm. a day later. That's, you know, I've never, we've never actually lost anything in Japan. We've left things mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's very normal, but 
it's actually usually it would come from a place of just a it's a very uh, strong culture, very oppressive in, in shame, right? So you know, you know, shame culture, and so it's not really like, oh, I want to do good. It's like I, need, I should do good because otherwise, I'll be shamed, right? Like, how mm -hmm. can I do this? And so you know, you don't talk on the train. It's not like a written rule. You know, it's just that it's inconveniencing everybody else by you talking loud. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not. It's not a rule. There's no. You're not going to say like. It's like don't talk on your cell phone on trains, or you know that'll say for mostly for the foreigners. It'll have those announcements, but in general, you just don't do anything that would inconvenience somebody else because you could that would bring shame. Yeah. And so it's it's looking at the culture. Yeah, that's beautiful. No crime. That's great. But where is this coming from? Where what's the heart behind this? What does God want to do in this? Not not that He wants people to commit crimes. That's right. not the point. But also, there's this kind of oppressive thing happening. I think it happens in a lot of cultures. So like I said, it's, it's, every culture has things. Um, but it's something that we're really just pr always praying. And we want to see, because I think the Japanese are a passionate people. Yep. Mm. They, and so that's kind of been muted in them, and there's mm -hmm. not a lot of expression. So actually, a ton of Japanese youth, they want to move out. They don't want to yeah. be in Japan. Be, and that's why English is growing. Like the need for English in Japan is growing. And we're going to, you know, we're planning on doing those programs to reach kids. And, but it's because they don't see a future in Japan and yeah. they see movies and they see even Korean drama where they're passionate and they're excited and they go, that's not my reality. I don't hmm. get to speak what I feel. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we are praying for breakthrough and I think God's doing it. It's not, it's not just us being there. Going back because I've been around long enough when the Soviet Union left Afghanistan. It left the country devastated by war. Mm. The churches and the believers was invited. The door was open. Favor was there for us to go in. Put it in our languages to disciple a nation. Mm. The nation of Afghanistan in percentage per capita had the most orphans and widows in the world because of the war that's been going on. The churches said, we don't want it. So Bin Laden, who was from Saudi Arabia, had been in Sudan. If the church don't want it, let me take him. So light didn't want it, so darkness came in. And then Ben Laden went in, went into a relationship. Also, three major violations that we did against, at that time, by the Mujahideen fighters. The covenant, the promises we did, they are Pashtun people. We violated those things, hurt them. But Ben Laden came in and started an alliance between what today is Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Mm. And later on, September 11 happened. We had the opportunity. I was one of them to say, let's take care of the orphan and the widow. The church said no. We spent less than 50 cents of every $100 to love on Muslim omission money. And it is 1.8 billion of them. And it is the key to the second coming of Jesus. But it was not the priority because where your treasures is, is where your heart is. Mm. So let's feed Isaac. But Ishmael, very little heart towards it. September 11 comes along. And 16 out of 19 involved in September 11 is orphans. And then we're like, why would he hold on? Say that again. Sixteen out of the nineteen involved in September 11 was orphans. They were the very one that we were asked to disciple. We said no. So instead, Ben Laden discipled them, and they are flying into buildings. And now it has cost us on a global economy 9.5 trillion dollars of cost, real cost. If you see what's happened what? on the war that has been going on, not just in our economy, but globally, when we could have spent 1% to invest in light instead of now responding to darkness. That's just a... Why have I never heard that before? I don't know. Have you? Have any of you guys heard that? 16 of the 19... That was involved in September 11. Were orphans. Yeah. Were they orphaned from the war? war? Conflict, yeah. Well, we as church is called to take care of the orphans and widows. 
So even there with the madrasas now uh -huh. where you're bringing the orphans in to train uh -huh. these people, including what we are experiencing now, like in Mozambique, or you see what a lot of the Al-Jabadis is a recruiting place. But when the church is not doing its part, when we are not investing in light, and then we say, why is it so dark? <laughs>